Hello and welcome to the Limerick Post podcast. We are Limerick. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt. Join me each week as we get to know the people of Limerick who are making the city and county what it is today. You can keep up to date with all Limerick news, sport and entertainment by following the hashtag keeping Limerick posted across all our social media channels or visiting limerickpost.ie. Welcome to We Are Limerick podcast. We're joined today by a Limerick-born magician whose daring escapes included being burnt at the stake, uh, escaping from a sealed box submerged in water, and more recently driving blindfolded around an obstacle course. Steve Spade, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So how's it all going? That makes me sound crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, going good. Yeah, good. Cool. yeah more, more stunts and stuff hopefully lined up for this year now. Um, always trying to push the envelope and as you said I've, I've done a lot of different ones over the years um so i did an open challenge thing there recently on instagram just kind of seeing the people have crazy things for me to do um so yeah there's like an open challenge so one one or two inquiries came in um and then one came in from port rush um in, in northern ireland so at the moment they're kind of calling me out in, in a very <laughs> weird i don't know can you call out a magician but apparently it's happening um, to come up there and, and to do some something on their premises. So. so what kind of challenges would you be expecting? I was expecting silly challenges of people like, you know, I don't know, ride a horse around a field <laughs> with, with a coal bag on your head. Or, you know, you, you get these silly things all the time from people. Um, or, uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't know what I was expecting really, but I've always kind of tried to live up to the Ireland's Houdini quote that I got many years ago. And uh, Houdini used to take a quote, uh, sorry, challenges kind of things all the time. And if you Google even Houdini now, you'll see old challenges that he would have taken from people that maybe made handcuffs at the time or they might have made like un- unbreakable steel or, or, you know, they had a product so good that no one could either get in or get out. And then Houdini would have maybe accept the challenge. But I think at the time, those companies were probably just trying to generate a bit of publicity and Houdini was a big name. So even if it was associated whatever you know yeah. so Houdini obviously had a yeah if you're a, listening and you, you make chain or big steel boxes give me a call <laughs> yeah and uh, where does the love for uh, magic come from um I always I always had an interest in I mean I was a very like inquisitive child and I'm, I suppose I tormented my mum and dad uh, with just wanting to know how everything worked um my, my late dad was was a mechanic so he always had like you know obviously nuts and bolts and bits and round and like I'd be vanishing stuff and messing with screwdrivers and also so I was I was just that kind of annoying child. Reckoning and head, uh, yeah. Yeah, it hasn't changed much <laughs> to be honest. But um but yeah he he him and mum you know were very very supportive of of it and I suppose just being at home and being kind of allowed to to kind of take things apart and you know, I was like I was that kid. Um, I was like, you know, do you like your new radio? Oh yeah, it's half it's over there, and you know, <laughs> so I, yeah, I was one of those one of those kids that would kind of take things apart and kind of um, just just be just be curious, I think, and I think that's that was the first kind of before I knew what magic was. That's that was kind of who I was, and then my uncle, I found out after that, like I was my when I was like four or five, um, I got a magic set, and that was that was the start. But then birthdays, Christmas, another magic set, another magic set. And then my uncle was a um, Michael. He uh, he he was a magician. He was an amateur magician at the time, but he, he was trained to be a doctor and things. So I met him, and he showed me a couple of tricks, and that was it. Then the, so the doctors perform magic. And then, and then you're watching it on TV. I used to always watch Copperfield on TV with with my brother and stuff at home. And then I remember like man would have to go down to Dunn's and get me big cardboard boxes so I could try to make the illusion at home. <laughs> so yeah, I tormented his life with him to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah. It was just it was just curiosity, and it became then it was a hobby that became a career. 
And, and at what point does it go from performing magic tricks, making things disappear, to burning yourself at a stake? <laughs> <laughs> I ask myself all that, that all the time. Um, the first biggish, I suppose, escape that I did was the the underwater escape because I wanted to do a like a, a homage to Houdini, um, and that came about because I was doing uh, we were doing a fundraiser um, for the for the ISPCC and Simon. Baker, I think it is, um, was doing. He's he was an amputee, and he was walking from Dublin to Limerick, as a as a as a charity to raise funds. And uh, we, I met with him, and I met with uh, Jason Kenny at the time, and we, we went through this, and we were talking about it, and the the whole the whole idea of it. And it, the idea was at the finish line, I'd be there doing some tricks, and then when we realised that the finish line was Matthews Bridge, before I realised that I was being put in a box and thrown into the river as a finale. So it, it went like that. It was something I wanted to do, but it was pushed forward because there was an opportunity to do it. And I think if you overthink these things, you wouldn't do them. So, um, yeah, it just came about because, I don't know, I might, I might not be right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I think you have to be, I think you have just to be the right level of like professional and a little bit crazy to do this. And uh, so you obviously had a, a love for magic, like you said, uh, watching Davy Copperfield and stuff on Copperfield, TV, yeah. you know. Uh, and Paul Daniels, I mean, I love the comedy side of things. Yeah. I used to do some stand-up comedy and I would have done the comedy circuit in Ireland for a while and some of the college circuit and some of them, even if you come to see a live show now, there's still elements of comedy in it. And you, you know, I think just being Irish, that's that's in, inbred into us anyway. It has yeah. to be funny. If it's too serious, people would walk out. So, um, so yeah, there's just still a bit of that too, you know. So it was, it was a mixture of Paul Daniels and then that kind of, kind of stuntman type image of, of like Copperfield and even like references like James Bond and stuff. I've always loved that element of just fast cars and, and danger. Yeah. And uh, so so you obviously loved magic, but uh, as a magician, you, you know how to perform the magic. Does it does it ruin the... It does. It, it Yeah, it does. It, it's one of those things, if you're, if you're a kid listening, guy or girl or whatever, because um, there's, there's loads of girls into young girls into magic now, which is great to see it. Even my own little niece loves magic, and um, she's seven. But it, yeah, it is. It, it's one of those things you have to sacrifice if you want to be a professional magician on, on any level. Once you know the trick, the secret is 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 out. Then, but you you vicariously you kind of live through people's reaction of it because they don't they don't know what you're doing. But because I do a lot of psychology stuff and and more and hypnosis as well everyone can be different so it makes it kind of interesting again that it's not guaranteed that it might just work out um so yeah so it, that keeps it exciting cool and uh, one of our uh, journalists in here bernie english performs a bit of magic mm-hmm. uh, your friends outside of yeah Liverpool, bernie so. does some uh, tarot reading and fortune yeah. telling yeah so, so she told me to ask you about houdini's handcuffs Houdini's handcuffs, right? Okay. So <clears throat> Houdini's handcuffs came about because I had done sacrifice, which was the burned alive illusion in King John's Castle, and at the time I was well, I'm still am, but I, I was working with a guy called Morgan Strepler, who was a uh, was a magic consultant for David Blaine's um, TV show Vertigo, so he had worked on that, and through two contacts I had I met um, Morgan, and I brought him to Ireland, and he came over and he saw the. We we uh, we did a kind of a spy mission of going into King John's Castle and taking a look around and stuff without them knowing what we were planning because we were planning it for the the next year. So so it was something that I wanted to do and it it was weird because I did um I was doing a gig in the loft which is the the the, the upstairs in the lock bar small gig um part of a tour that I did early on in my career called Voodoo and uh, <coughs> excuse me 
And while we were doing that tour, I did an interview with the Limerick leader. And I said, in the next five to 10 years, I'd love, because he asked me, what would you like to do in the next five to 10 years? It's probably there on the list. Um, but one of those questions. And I said, I'd love to do some big scale illusion in King John's Castle. And two years later, I had it done. So it was, it, it, I get these ideas into my head. I get the location. I can see it. And then I try to visualize it and make it a, a real thing. Um, and most people don't say no to me. So I just, <laughs> so I end up getting to do it. You um, hypnotize them. Yeah, I, I, that's a trade secret. I don't hypnotize them. Anyone that's let me do stuff has been in their own free will. It's nothing to do with me. Um, but yeah, so he came over. We looked at it. Um, uh, we, we, we kind of worked out how it would work. And I, did, I wanted to do kind of a, a Joan of Arc feel or something that you'd see in Braveheart. So we, we choreographed this this concept and uh, it was called Sacrifice. And we, we worked with Zeb Moore and some some other actors in the city um, to kind of, and Miles Breen played King John. Cool. And we did this kind of medieval burning type thing. It was an illusion. I mean, it, it wasn't an escape in a traditional sense, but uh, I think people really enjoyed it. And, and it, it, that's that's where the, the Houdini came, came from because... At the time, they, across the seas in the, in the American blogs and, and forums and stuff, um, had headlines like, crazy Irish magician sets himself on fire. No name, no nothing. That's that's what it was. So when I got an email um, about the about the TV show Baggage Battles, which was on Sky Travel and shot by the Discovery Channel, they they had just heard crazy Irish magician sets himself on fire. And the Irish Times were calling me Ireland Sudini and all this kind of stuff. So it was their first port of call when they probably typed in crazy Irish magician sets himself on fire so um, so yes yeah, so I met with them and they had a set of Houdini handcuffs to that they had um, gotten in an auction and they wanted me to appraise them so there was a live show I went up to Dublin to meet them because they were doing um, part of the, the show was about Bram Stoker so they were at his house and they had an old book and, and, and things so that was part of the show the other half and then my half was um, talking about the Houdini cuffs and when I went up, they, they rang me on the way up um, the day before and they just said, uh, can you bring some chain or some rope? And at the end, when the credits roll, we'll have you struggling and it'll be great. And I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. That's what I do. <laughs> so so that was fine. So I brought the, I brought up rope and chain. Uh, 100 feet rope escape was a traditional uh, Houdini escape where you'd have anyone tie you up and that would be timed, the amount of time that they would tie you up. And then you'd have less time to get out. And it was... It was something that he would do as a challenge escape to like sailors and things in the turn of the century. So, so when I went up, um, I had both, both options there. We talked, we were talking to the producer, we were talking to the guy who owned the cuffs and the, the presenters of the show and stuff like that. And while we were going through everything, they just openly asked me, what's the quickest you can get out? And I said, 52 seconds. And at the time, I was probably fitter, but at the time, um, I, 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 could, uh, I, could go, I could get out in under a minute. So I said 52 seconds off air, we'll say. And um, by the time we started shooting, they said, um, well, would you be willing to do it live on air? We'll say live as part of the show on the basis that if you get out in under 52 seconds, because you said 52 off air to us and they threw it back at me while we were recording. And I was like, I could have said anything. I could have said three <laughs> minutes and given myself some breathing time. But I didn't. I, I told him the truth. So 52 seconds. So I accepted the challenge because... That's what I do as well. Um, I, I rarely back down from anything. Actually, I never back down from anything. So um, so 52 seconds. And then I went and I did it. And they tied me up. They tied me up whatever way they wanted it. They decided to use the rope. Um, because they thought the, the locks were going to be fake locks or whatever. So I was like, it's just rope. So I was like, I used to hug, I used to tie hogs when I was a kid. I was like, great. You know, so <laughs> so I'm there. He ties me all up. Um, plenty of struggling. There's, there's footage on my website. 
and 42 seconds later I, uh, 48 seconds later apologies uh, 52 was my, was my limit at the time 48 seconds later I was out and they had to hand me over the Houdini cuffs so, so which, go back to I'm sh- which I'm sure is sick in them <laughs> <laughs> so go back to a point where you're a kid who loves Houdini and all this yeah what does it mean to you to get those handcuffs if I went and, and I tried to to get them on an auction or buy them or get them from a collector or borrow money to get them because they be, you know these things have high value now because there's less and less and less of them I, I wouldn't appreciate them as much as the fact that I accepted a challenge and won them through a TV show you know because that it was as I felt it was actually living vicariously almost through Houdini at that point because he wouldn't have said no to that challenge and he would have wanted those cuffs and in my head I was like I'll rip my arm off to get those cuffs, you know. So I'm getting out of this rope in under this time, and uh, there's there's footage there of me doing it, and it's it's hilarious. But yeah, I got out. But you can see the, the just the disappointment and sadness in your man's face, <laughs> handing me handing me the cuffs, you know. So yeah, it's definitely 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 part of that. Like as I was saying, my uh, my dad passed away um, in in October, and that was such an amazing moment with him. I remember coming home and showing him and showing him the paperwork that they were legit, and he was just blown away. And then escapology, there's a danger element with mm-hmm. like being submerged in water in the river or whatever. Yeah. Um, what, what's going through your head when you're performing a stunt like that? It's kind of what's going through your head when you're rehearsing and stuff is, is the hardest part. I remember just getting used to being nailed into a box and hearing that sound of being nailed into a box was really hard to just psychologically get over because your human reaction would be to panic. And if you panic in a, in a, in a situation where you can't panic, something bad's going to happen. So the idea of it is you can be prepared, but your your instinct of just taking a breath at the wrong time and these kind of things, you have to get over them. It's almost like a gag reflex. You know, if, you, if you're a sword swallower, you can't have a gag reflex. So because it's a human thing, it's very hard to kind of disjoint that from your mind. So there's a psychological element to it. You can practice a lot of these things as much as you can, but anything can go wrong on the day. Even when we did the water stunt, um, the, the, that first one, um, we were told on the day that the water levels had had changed and it wasn't as safe to do as it had been previously for the, like picking days. I mean, you just don't know, but it was just a day that it was there was extra water released or something, and the the level had raised uh, raised up, and they said it's just not as safe. But we still had coast guards and stuff there, and there was search and rescue in, in the water ready to go. Was there ever a point where where you're in a box oh, yeah. thinking this is it? Yeah, this yeah, but, you, but you're also thinking there's three thousand people here and <laughs> I'm doing this, you know. So uh, I'll make headlines for for some reason, but I hopefully they're not bad ones, you know. Um, there's no point. There's no point doing something so dangerous that it's you know anyone listening that wants to do this kind of stuff, you, you it has to be you know death defying and dangerous. But try try to be so rehearsed that you've taken the element of danger for you out of it. And and then anything that if it went horribly wrong, it's it's an act of God and it's out of your hands. You're a professional anyway, so yeah, yeah. You, you have to, but you have to kind of tell your. It's 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 kind of crazy because you tell everyone is dead to fine, but you tell yourself it's safe, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know deep down that it's not safe at all. So yeah, um, you just do it. And, and of all these stunts, is there any one in particular that stands out as your favorite that you'd love to do it again, or you'd love to not do it again even better? The underwater stuff was 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 hard. Even the training for 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 some of that stuff was hard, and and we were going to do an, a different variation of it as well. And we we decided to pull that because there was just there was a lot of logistics that it could have gone wrong and things. So, yeah, and the water stuff is challenging because it's unpredictable, I suppose. And the 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 sacrifice was a bit different because it was more a theatrical kind of a performance. 
Um, I'm my favorite stunt. I suppose if you were to ask, is is like a, a like a bridge jump stunt. Houdini would just. Uh, I'm not doing this limerick, by the way. So, but Houdini would would uh, go to a town. He would start to kind of undress as he walked towards the bridge. By the time he got to the bridge, he'd be just in underwear or a cloth or whatever. Um, he'd be chained up and he would just jump off the bridge straight in and out. There was no box, there was no cover, there was no nothing. Um, yeah, so I, I like that. I like that. I like it so raw, it's so organic that it's not a trick. This is skill, this is endurance, this is strength, you know. Um, and I think, I think that does capture people's attention and things still. Because if you say, you know, at any moment this can go horribly wrong... People love to watch that. You know, it's the gladiator theory that people love a bit of a bit of gore, you know. And where can people send in this uh, challenge? <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> I'm not accepting it. Um, yeah, I, 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 if, I, if I was challenged, I probably would do it. But um, yeah, it, it is one of those things. I just I just love that the fact that you can't you can you can dismiss a magic trick. You can go other oh, special cards, even though they're not or it's a special box, even though it's not. But, you know, that's people's, that's how people get on with their life, that they can just go, that's that, and now I know, and now I'm fine. But if they don't know, it kind of eats away at them. But if you see a man chained up and jumps off a bridge, it, it's real. You yeah. know, it's as real as it is. It doesn't have to be a bridge. It could be, you know, the buried alive illusion is another one of those things we all kind of, we all know our own mortality and stuff. And I think that's a very kind of, kind of hits people hard, kind of a moment of being buried alive is, is a terrible, you know, and scary kind of idea. So I think that's one of those things that captures people too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would love to in the future try to recreate most of Houdini's stunts um, and even push them to the to the next level uh, as best I can and try to put my own little twist on them, a spade twist. So uh, you've been uh, fairly busy the last few years. Uh, Electric Avenue or Electric Picnic, sorry. Electric Picnic, yeah. Um, it's two years in a row, wasn't it? Two years in a row now. So last year was the second year. And a couple of years before that, I was actually there with the Rubber Bandits um i made one of them vanish on stage and reappear so that was that was always fun um i uh yeah that was it was good they asked me at the time to do it and then a couple of years passed and when i was doing other stuff um and then jerry fish um contacted me about the 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 circus elements that he has there so he's live bands and performers so i did a, a straight jacket escape the first year um and then it's and some other performances and then i do some some close-up around that area as well some close-up magic reading mind reading and magic and stuff so. and uh, how does it differ for yourself uh, going from close-up magic to performing on a stage um it's a tough one i th- i think you're, you're still engaging people kind of the same way but i think up close they might react maybe a bit bigger because it's so close to them and they can't see it um, or they can't figure it out, or you're reading their mind, you know, inches away, where maybe there's a kind of a, a kind of a because you're on stage, there's more of a gap. But then you can do bigger stuff on stage. So I kind of love both of them. I wouldn't really stop either. I do just as much close up. Um, I would probably do more close up now when I just get stopped on the street to do something or whatever. I um, but then on the other side, then I when I'm doing shows, there's elements of parts of my show that I can do kind of you know readily as well so yeah i kind of i love both of them they're, they're so different and then they're kind of so the same um yeah and uh, in the line of work as well you're going to come up against a lot of skeptics people who don't oh yeah believe in magic it's the best part yeah it's I, the, best, the part. best ones to fool i'd imagine i think so i think i think that they the fact that they don't believe it or or, or i mean they don't they don't have to it's not my job to make them believe it my, my it's my job to, to just let them enjoy it you know or you can see people sometimes they're they're watching so intently 
and then they just realize that they're looking at a professional doing a professional thing and then at some point they just go oh, just give up now and just enjoy it you know and you can see it you can see the moments and i suppose as i was younger in my career it was harder to get people to that point where they would just accept it and it's magic and just enjoy it kind of thing um but as i've gotten older in my career and 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 i've gotten i suppose better and, and, and performing different kind of magic you can see people kind of letting their guard down almost in straight away and just accepting it as it may not be magic or it might be skill you can see people in their in their eyes they're either looking at it going that's amazing skill or that's magic and some people just believe it and, and why not you know believe it if you want to believe it and you, you mentioned performing a trick on rubber bandits mm. uh, you're fairly well known in the celebrity yeah, circuit yeah they are yeah. Um, yourself oh myself yeah. oh yeah i don't consider myself a celebrity i just i just do what I love to do. Uh, and, and you perform tricks on celebrities, though. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, yeah. Which one gave you the best reaction? Best reaction. Um, Jesus, there's been a lot. I mean, I did Shane Long's wedding, and I got amazing reaction from like most. You know, the Irish team were yeah. pretty much there. Just huge reaction, big scream reactions. Um, Mike Tyson was a great guy to to meet. Um, uh, we met him in Tone Park when he was doing his talk, and I just grabbed his his sharpie that he was signing with. And we met him earlier during the day as well, but I met him, grabbed a sharpie and I just kind of banished it. So I can show you the banished letter, just gone. And uh, and he was like, "That's amazing, that's amazing." <laughs> so uh, uh, I hope he doesn't hear this. He'll, he'll come back to Limerick and he'll knock me out. But he, um, but yeah, he, he's a. He, it was it was cool to meet him. I mean, it's 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 weird how reactions kind of vary, but then they're also the same because sometimes it it kind of doesn't matter if it's a celebrity or you know or someone at a show or a gig or a, or a kid or, or anything it, it varies and then that kind of just that reaction of just magic just that moment of magic is kind of universal it doesn't matter if they if they speak english or not you know if they see something vanish that's a universal moment you know um so yeah it's i, I can get the same reactions from a celebrity the, all their guard goes right down when they see magic it's just like being a seven-year-old again and you've opened your christmas morning present and you're just that you know and just that moment of just that little gut reaction moment and, um, it's probably why i it's probably why i perform as well I, I think people ask me all the time like why do you do it you know and stuff like that and i think because i've kept it you're kind of going so long i mean there's other things you could be doing obviously um i think i think just getting that reaction seeing that moment where you're just kind of breaking that person's reality just for a second and just letting them question kind of everything just for that second and kind of be, be able to do that i think is nearly addictive do you have any moments like that yourself seeing as you're in it so long yeah yeah no definitely yeah yeah i've even when when morgan was over that time i mean i saw him doing direct readings on people telling them stuff about their childhood uh, like openly and these people were blown away but he's a master mind reader i mean that that is that is his craft and he would have done he does a lot of the telekinesis and and metal bending and all that he that's that's his that's his performance style so yeah i I have seen tricks and i have seen effects from other magicians kind of globally that have just knocked my socks off the other magicians are obviously a a good support to have around you Uh, what are the challenges of being a magician in ireland challenges of magicians in ireland um i suppose it's it's a it's a small country so i guess there's only so much interest i suppose and i think people are interested but you kind of have to make them interested you got to kind of keep giving them something a little bit different or a little bit edgy or a little bit new or fresh i mean that's probably like any industry i I suppose really you can't just kind of keep rehashing the same thing i think a lot of magicians in the circuit do the same tricks for the last 20 years 
and it, it just becomes kind of mundane and I think people then kind of get every magician is going to do that one and every you know and then I think that kind of dilutes it a little bit of where I, I try to be creative I try to come up with my own ideas and my own effects and and, and then if it's a, if it's a classic of magic and I mean obviously there's hundreds of those I try to give them my own little twist or a little, a little tweak um, but but yeah I mean it, it's it can be difficult and it can be it be hard sometimes you can be extremely busy but you're as busy as as your last kind of gig i guess i suppose you have to keep kind of redeveloping what you're doing if you, if you stay stagnant you'll just stay in that one one layer one circle all the time and you'll just loop around in that i've always tried to push myself further and further and further so uh, one trick i mentioned earlier was driving blindfolded around yeah. an obstacle course. <laughs> how did that come about and how did you get someone to sit in the car with you <laughs> she didn't have a choice and i didn't know who she was so <laughs> so yeah it was uh it came about the the limerick vintage car show contacted me about doing something um and i said yeah i mean I, i'd love to to drive a, a car blindfolded if you have the space and they were like what and like are you insured are we insured who's insured uh so yeah it came about like that and then i i spoke to dave peace who's a magician friend of mine from from Cork and uh, and Liam Sheehan as well, which is another magician friend of mine from Cork, and and both of them kind of helped with it. And yeah, we we, we got a Jaguar nineteen seventy six red, lovely, classic Jaguar, and I got to drive around an obstacle course. And uh, then we had a girl out of the audience. Uh, she we had five people up initially, and the the audience kind of chose her, so it wasn't up to me. <laughs> I couldn't even see, so I don't even know. I think I, I saw the video, so she had red hair, um, but <laughs> she was a nice girl, and she uh, yeah, she got in the car and she was screaming her head off. And then the the, the finale was she would get out. It was an obstacle course with cones, mm-hmm. and she got out of the car. She moved any cone she wanted, to, and then Dave that I mentioned there, Dave Peace, he stood where that cone was, and I did the course one last time. Um, so yeah what, what goes through your head when you're driving at Dave <laughs> don't worry Dave um, he just got married recently and I was his best man and this was this was last summer and I was just in my head I was like I can't kill him like I just she, his wife to be would be so angry with me so yeah so <laughs> um, yeah I was just like I memorised the track as best I could um, and it was yeah that's what it was it was it was kind of mad but yeah I'd do it again I would do it to, to a bigger extent I've, I've always wanted to do a kind of an open street style one or you know uh dynamo and people like this have done it um over the over the years i'd still be open to doing yeah. doing it in a bigger scale so you've done the bird box challenge before anyone else really yeah <laughs> there you go there you go <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, i don't on. recommend it by the way if you're listening no. to this don't drive to work tomorrow morning <laughs> no. with a blindfold on or a bag over your head please don't do that and uh coming back to limerick uh last year a magic shop in Limerick closed down. Mm. What did that mean to you growing up having that around? It was a huge blow. Yeah. You, I don't think, I don't think I would have had as much interest if the magic shop hadn't been there, because like I spent all my pocket money in there I, I, up until the day it was closing. To be <laughs> honest, um, I went in there like like uh, Paddy was such a, a a great support to all magicians, and and I'm not, I'm not saying in Limerick, I mean it was the only magic shop in the country. So everyone, all the Dublin magicians, like I, I met Keith Barry there for the first time. When I met Keith for the first time, it was at the magic shop in Limerick. So yeah, it was it was a huge staple of Irishman, and it's 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 really missed. You know, it really is. And he was he was always a great support. Um, but maybe he did a he did a great a great thing for the whole city. I think everyone, you know, if you popped into if you were going in to buy a costume or if you were going in to buy a parking ticket, 
he'd still show you a trick or, or have a bit of chat. So he was just one of those real great characters of the city, you know. Yeah. And it is it is missed. It was it was a great piece of my childhood. When it was on Mallow Street, I can remember saving up to buy, you know, a little matchbox trick or whatever when I was a kid and going in we all went in there on Halloween and bought, you know, the Halloween bags and stuff like that. So yeah, it's definitely a piece of Limerick that's that's missed, I think. That's something you're going to miss, but um, how has Limerick changed in the last ten years or so? I think Limerick is great. I think it's really. I I am I'm, I'm still living here, but I I I love being away even for a short time and coming back and seeing and seeing a change and things. It, it just seems really vibrant and seems to be moving forward. I'd like to see more um, more theatre and more. You know, it's a pity that there's no real theatre directly in the city centre like, like the old Savoy will say but we have the bell um, table we have the bell table yeah um, but, but I think that the grandeur if you look at the old pictures of the Savoy I, I you know you give, I'd give my left arm to, to perform on the stage of the old Savoy um, I've seen the pictures and it just looks like something from the Victorian era it just looks amazing um, so yeah I, I think that's that's one thing that I, I would miss um, I'd love to see a big theatre kind of like the Everyman in Cork or perhaps maybe the Olympia in Dublin if we had something like that I think it would really I think it would be, it'd be amazing in the city and you probably started out your days performing on the streets and stuff yeah, yeah. so uh, is there would you ever like to go back to that college college campuses and, yeah. and, and streets and stuff yeah I mean I, I still do a little bit of street magic every now and then it's a great place to, to get a real reaction from people you know they're, they're you're, you're kind of stopping them on their lunch break or whatever it is I know it's probably a bit annoying the probably the last thing they want to see is a, is a card trick or a coin trick or something but I think just that little moment you can just you, you magic has one of those abilities to just make people happy um, even if it makes you a little bit confused about like you don't know how it's done it's still making you just question something else or it's make it but nine times out of ten the reactions I'm getting are big kind of laughing reactions or, or whatever I could be walking on the street and some guy would just hand me a cigarette and be like make that disappear <laughs> like I'm challenged like constantly so um, you can ask my girlfriend you know it can be a bit of a nightmare at times but I'd always stop and I'd always do something for somebody you know you're, it's it's nice it's nice that you put the work in and now you've, you're at this point that they recognise you to even ask you and I, I'd never say no you know and um, you said uh, you did a bit of stand-up mm. comedy so what's harder performing magic on a stage or stand-up they're both hard they're hard in different ways yeah. you, I suppose what they both have in common is you just have to hold the audience they have to like you and they have to accept what you're doing and I think I suppose with the magic they kind of have to be more engaging because um, they have to kind of understand the effect otherwise the effect is kind of is, is kind of pointless um, so yeah, they they both have their challenges, but they they both they both kind of play into each other. You have to be engaging. You have to be a showman. You have to kind of draw people in. You have to be interactive. Um, you can't be shy in any way. You know, there's I don't think I was ever shy. I was I was I'm, I'm the opposite of shy. Probably for for all the wrong reasons. I'd love to be shy actually. If I could be ending, I'd be shy. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that kind of thing. I just think you just have to engage with people. Magic, comedy, music. You, if you're not engaging. You, you've lost the audience and if you've lost the audience if it's close up one on one or if it's two a thousand people in an arena or whatever it might be if you've lost them you've lost them you know you have to be engaging you have to you have to kind of draw them in so do you feel there's a mutual respect there between all these different performers you know? oh yeah definitely I, I yeah i mean it's it, it's all different levels of art and we're all artists in in our own right um it, it's the same creative process i would imagine if if you're a singer or songwriter to make a song or to make a melody then it would be for me to put together a series of moves and sleight of hand and effects to to achieve you know uh, 
an illusion of what I'm trying to achieve. So I, I, I would imagine we all kind of think alike, but then different, you know. So you mentioned the Instagram challenge earlier on. Yeah. Is there anything else big you're working on at the moment and coming up? <clears throat> yeah, I'm working on a few things. I, I, I'm always, like I was saying with the with the stunts, I'm always trying to kind of twist the the classics and things like that. So the, yeah, there's, there's one or two that are kind of in the pipeline. One's very dangerous and I've been, I've said it to a few people and they're just, just don't do that. <laughs> just don't do that. So I don't know. Um, what way does the planning start on things like this? Where does it come from? You dream in one night and you say oh. sometimes, yeah. Um, there's always a notebook beside my bed, and I'd be waking up writing down random things. Um, uh, it, it is pretty bad. Um, um, magicians will, will agree with me if they're listening to this. Um, if you get an idea into it, into your head for an effect, you kind of have to perform it straight away, even if it's not the, the thing you need, the props you need, you just perform it with anything just so you can get the idea kind of, well, it's me anyway. I, I have to kind of, so it doesn't matter what time I do, I've jumped out of bed and gone, oh no, I gotta do this. And I, that would work okay i'm going back to bed so you write it down and you go back to bed but yeah the, it, it, they come from all different things i get inspiration from watching a movie i get inspiration from maybe a lyric of a song it's, it's weird sometimes um yeah it, it can come from anywhere and uh, it can come from seeing other performances too i think a bit of advice for anyone that that's a performer is if you're if you're really into magic maybe watch some magic but then go to different shows go to live music, go see other frontmen of bands and, and look at other, you know, and stuff like this and, and let let what they do and how they interact kind of kind of change your your, your dynamic of what you do and, um, on, on and, that, and vice versa, you know. You had a D- David Copperfield growing up, as you said earlier on. Yeah. Um, who is there now for you to look toward? Um, I like, I like, it's, it's kind of gone away from the stunt side of things um, or, or the illusion side of things but Darren Brown the way he has kind of changed the, the mind reading and the hypnosis kind of presentation is just amazing you know and, and he he is just as entertaining like the fact that you don't know what he is is another one people ask me because they know I do escapes and magic and hypnosis and mind reading um, and, and know that I'm a magician they're like what are you are you a, are you a magician are you this and I, I think it, the fact that they're asking they don't know what you are it's amazing yeah. don't know what I am you know um uh, Colin's co- up on the stage co- and thinking what's going to happen well, what's here? going to happen and I think that just that level of not knowing what could happen is, is, is a kind of a magic trick in itself you know that curiosity element is there Copperfield is a master magician because he's targeted all the elements and it was always my kind of dream to be a master magician to be able to to touch up any of the, the disciplines of magic and there's lots of them as I said um, so yeah, I mean, I suppose that's that's what I'd like to kind of get to at some point. It keeps the audience on their toes yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it keeps me on my toes too because I can sway that effect whichever way I want, and and then no performance will be the same, um, and then that kind of sets you apart as well from other magicians that are going by the book. You know, it has to be done this way. It doesn't do it whatever way you want. You know, people make good music by by changing you know things. You know, to change melodies and change everything else. Um, and you, you could come up with a masterpiece could happen by accident and uh, finally we, we have your uh, Instagram for the challenge where else can people keep up to date with Spade yeah yeah on, on social media um, Spade Magician on Facebook and Steve Spade on Instagram and stevespademagic.com is the website Excellent. so yeah there's all sorts all over so yeah. any gigs got upcoming I've got I'm working on some stuff at the moment yeah. and then and then I yeah I, I've got like private stuff and, and kind of corporate stuff coming up and and, uh, and then some last year we did some work with Brent Pope um, so we'll be working with him a little bit again um, and then I'm working with uh, Pure Media Ireland as well 
and I'm working with Steph Wild Photography and a few other guys. So we're 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 working on different projects and different kind of branding things all the time. Um, I'm trying to incorporate my magic into different different companies as well. Um, so yeah, we have a few things in the pipeline. They always want something kind of different. So it, it's it's kind of weird how it's become a kid that was doing a couple of card tricks. And now I've made this thing out of it, and and now I can kind of branch those things into different things like Vikings. And when I was working on that, and it's weird to say you're like consulting on a TV show, but then you're still that kid that just did card tricks. It's 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 kind of weird, but um yeah, it kind of goes off full circle, I guess. You know, these things these things have a way of doing that by themselves. At what point did you realize that you did go from the kid doing card tricks to? I haven't realized yet. <laughs> I haven't realized. No, I really haven't. I, I still I still have the same love for it as I had when I was a kid. I'm always I was only at a magic auction recently and I bought piles of old books. I'm always researching it. If I'm not gigging, I'm learning new magic. Um so yeah, it's it's part of me. It's, it's I I couldn't change it. Where a lot of people would have probably years ago, guys, friends of mine and, and people from college would be like, oh, teach me a trick or two. Come on, to be good crack, you know. What I mean? And you teach them, but they have no interest. They just want that one trick. And I, I, I would teach them, and and that'd be fine. But uh, but I, I just I've immersed myself into it as 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 much as I can, and I, I try to, I try to, I try to look at the kind of past masters like the Houdinis and Copperfield, and 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 and, and way before that, Thurston and and Houdin, and and the real old guys from way back 18th, 19th century, and and look at their stuff. And then try to see, I try to kind of ask myself, if Houdini was here, what would he do and how would he do it? How would he use social media in this way and things like that? So, yeah, it's kind of a constant kind of a challenge. But I suppose, yeah, I mean, I suppose one of the things is why I take challenges is because I I challenge myself constantly. So, yeah. Excellent. Cheers. Thanks for joining us. No problem at all. Thanks. Look. You've been listening to We Are Limerick, a Limerick Post podcast. For more news, sport, entertainment and more podcasts, visit limerickpost.ie.